0: Well, uh, it's my pleasure to introduce um, an old friend of us and uh, one of the most uh, uh, renowned experts on uh, Central American affairs. (laughs) Um, in contemporary, uh, in contemporary Central American affairs, <clears throat> uh, our friend Tom Walker, uh, no relationship to the other Tom Walker. Johnny and, uh, Neither to Johnny Walker nor to William Walker. The William Walker. I, I, I don't know. I would appreciate being a, a, a relative of Johnny Walker. The Johnny Walker, but not the other one. I wasn't referring to William. Um, the, um, Tom Walker has uh, worked extensively and published extensively on Brazil and Central America, particularly on Nicaraguan, as probably you all know. Uh, he has uh, some books like uh, Understanding Central America and Nicaragua, the Land of Sandino, who have been uh, published and republished several times. Uh, he was uh, very influential in, the, in in expanding our knowledge uh, in the states, uh, on, and, on, on, and particularly on the Sandinista Revolution, when when the, the Sandinista Revolution was up and was important, and uh, and uh, like Venezuela is nowadays. I mean, because of the the geopolitical circumstances. Uh, <clears throat> so. Uh, Tom Walker has also been very important and, and is a kind of institution in Ohio <clears throat> in the sense that uh, he has been the, the, the major figure and uh, the, the, the heart and soul of the Latin American studies at OU for many, many years. Uh, and uh, so is our competition and, and our friends. So we have to chapeau. And uh be, because they have played uh, an important role in, in in Latin American studies in in Ohio and in the US through the Center for Latin American Studies, OU, which I think is turning 39 or 40 next year, something like that. So I suppose we're going to have a big celebration over there yeah yeah I hope okay and, and I hope we are invited. Now. Uh, so uh, today, uh, in, the, in the last in the in the, in the last years, uh, Tom has been uh, participating actively, acti- uh, very actively in in, in, in monitoring uh, electoral processes in in Central America, and I think this is be- more or less what he is going to talk about today. And the the title of the presentation is "Electoral Observation, Peace, and Democratic Consolidation, 1994 to 2006." Please join me to welcome. welcome.
1: Well, being a professor and scholar is not a bad experience. Some of you guys will be going into that, guys and gals, Um, and. you won't probably find it very pleasant grade exams and papers, but uh, other than that, uh, teaching is fun and uh, I've had some unique field experiences watching history unfold and sometimes even taking part in it, which is really fun. Uh, uh, in Latin America over the last century, I've had the privilege, not, la- not century, last quarter century. Uh, I'm not quite that old. I am pretty old, though. Uh, I've had the uh, privilege uh, to watch up close as uh, uh, formal international electoral observation has come to play an an increasingly important role in the transition to democracy and the maintenance of uh, peace in in the region. So let me give you a little bit of, of background. Throughout much of the Cold War, Latin America experienced great violence, and was largely devoid of free elections. And the U.S. in that period sponsored uh, uh, a series of military dictatorships, uh, and uh, we trained um, these military and actually uh, encouraged them in what I certainly would call state-sponsored terror against all opposition. Uh, between 400,000 and a half million people, mainly civilians, died, most of them as a result of programs that our government euphemistically and ironically called counterterror. Uh, and I can give details if anyone wants to ask about the terror that programs that uh, the U.S. was supporting. But it was a pretty awful um, um, phenomenon. <clears throat> for the sake of appearances, Latin American dictatorships frequently held elections. And um, uh, these were, however, not systematically observed uh, in any way that, that I would uh, argue uh, was uh, of any merit. Uh, uh, and newspaper and media people would go to the U.S. Embassy on the last day of the election, get briefed by the U.S. Embassy and then do stand-ups in front of uh, voting places. And and that would be the observation of the election. Um, uh, the elections were normally rigged, ter- terribly rigged, and the outcomes were pretty much um, a <laughs> foregone conclusion. Uh, so a couple of uh, beautiful examples would be the elections in El Salvador, 1982 and 84. Uh, just thoroughly worthless elections and yet they were portrayed in the United States as an advance to democracy <coughs> um, in any election you need good background conditions that is you need um, a period of time running up to the election where people are not being assassinated uh, in large numbers where um, the media is perfectly free to uh, to uh, get out and, and, and publish whatever it wants to, where the uh, reporters, uh, where the uh, uh, contestants from the various parties in the election uh, can get out and get their ideas out. That, none of that was true in El Salvador uh, in either of those years. Uh, there was uh, uh, many thousands of people being uh, killed by government forces and by uh, government-backed uh, death squads uh, there was um, uh, no freedom of the press whatsoever, even though there wasn't any censorship. They could always point to the fact that there wasn't any censorship. Uh, but there was de facto censorship. If uh, 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 Reporters knew that if they reported the wrong thing, they'd die. Uh, uh, newspaper publishers knew that if they published the wrong thing, their newspaper could get blown up. Uh, and so what was the point? There was, uh, it, there was no freedom of press running up to it. The voting process was thoroughly outrageous. Uh, the, um, everyone was obliged by law to vote. Uh, you had a citizen's identification card that had to be stamped indicating that you had voted. And the military was saying that anyone who didn't do- vote was a traitor. And everybody knew what the military did to people they called traitors. So uh, people really had a vested interest in getting out and voting. You av- arrived at the voting place and uh, you checked your name next to the uh, on the voting list. That was that's what that happens everywhere. Uh, but then uh, you were given a, a ballot that was rather odd. It had a serial number up at the top, uh, and each one uh, each ballot was different. Uh, plus the fact the ballot was on uh, uh, opaque um, uh, or translucent um, paper. Once it was folded, you mark it with an X on one side, fold it, you can still see through this kind of paper and see how the uh, ballot had been, uh, had been marked. In the old Samosa years in Nicaragua, they used that kind of ballot too. Um, then you went into a voting booth, Which in most cases was not even curtained, and some of them were in open air, outdoor uh, situation where people were up in trees, yelling out code words. Uh, Christian Democratic, by the way, was fish, and uh, and uh, and so on. And you took that ballot and you went and you put it in a clear plexiglass ballot box with an armed uh, soldier uh, standing over the uh, plexiglass ballot box. So it was absurd beyond belief, and if there had been any decent reporters, they would have reported how awful it was. Uh, But this was manipulated observation. Uh, They had too few voting places, so uh, large numbers of people were enthusiastically showing their interest in in the democratic process, and the reporters were there reporting how enthusiastic the reporters, the the voters were. Well, of course they were enthusiastic. Their life depended on on, on getting in there and voting. And um, the reporters didn't. Uh, most of them were monolingual uh, uh, talking heads, and 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 so on. That uh, they didn't have a clue of Spanish, and they'd been briefed <coughs> in the, in the U.S. Embassy. So it was a complete. Fraud, but that's what passed for um, elections in uh, most of Latin America uh, up till 1984. Now, the birth of formal electoral uh, credentialed international electoral observation actually took place in Nicaragua, which was my country of special interest. Um, And as you all know, Nicaragua had had a mild social revolution. Uh, which uh, uh, called for such outrageous things as literacy training and uh, and health care, you know, obviously communist things, and um, uh, 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 some subsidy of food and and, and so on. And uh, the uh, Carter administration had been not at all happy to see the Sandinistas come to power, but the Reagan administration uh, had had a policy of, as one person said, moving them <laughs> on out, getting rid of the Sandinistas. And so we had the Contra War with, uh, where the United States financed a guerrilla war against the government, uh, and uh, the, US, the Reagan administration was very hostile to the Sandinistas. Nevertheless, the Sandinistas had announced that they were going to hold free and fair elections. Um, they uh, started to the idea of holding them right after the, their victory, and the U.S. and the opposition had complained that that wasn't fair because nobody had had a chance to see how the Sandinistas were doing, and it was better to delay the elections. Then when they delayed them, um, they said until '85. Uh, Then that was too far off, and they weren't uh, the Sandinistas were lying, and they weren't going to have democracy. After all, Uh, finally they decided to hold them in '84, and they announced that in 1983. At which point Reagan said that it would be a Soviet-style farce. Now, interestingly enough, the Swedish Electoral Commission, one of the you know a, a lackey of the Soviet Union. Uh, had been uh, in Nicaragua and helped them design both their party's law and their electoral laws. And basically, this, the election that was designed in 84, was almost identical to the electoral rules and party laws in the election that was held uh, in 1990 when our candidate won, and we didn't have any problem with that. Uh, so it was, they were, it was an excellent, uh, there were excellent rules for the election. Well, um, I think it was late 83, I, well, I happened to know the, the foreign minister of Nicaragua, Miguel Descoto, and um, I had the luxury of being able to, anytime I wanted to, I just walk into the foreign ministry, and if he wasn't busy, I'd go in and, and we'd have a chat. And uh, So one day I did that in late 83, and he was very enthusiastic about the elections they were going to have, and uh, uh, he, he told me all about it, and, and I said, well, you know, uh, that's not the way it's going to be reported in the United States. Uh, Ronald Reagan is already calling it a Soviet-style farce, and the U.S. media will go along with that no matter what. Uh, one thing you might do, however, is invite in international observers and give them credentials. And give them the authority to go into any polling place, and to go into the Supreme Electoral Council and see any complaints that have been filed against the election and so on. Have them have complete authority to do a really thorough investigation of the election. And he looked. This had never been done before, and um, and I think there had been suggestions of this sort of thing in the past, and. And governments had always said, well, this is uh, an insult to our sovereignty, uh, and uh, it shouldn't be done. So he, he was very noncommittal. A couple months later, I get this call. I, I had told him that the Latin American Studies Association would probably be willing to do it. I get this call from the head of the Latin American Studies Association telling me that uh, they had just been invited formally by the Nicaraguan government to do formal Credentialed uh, uh, observation of the election in in Nicaragua. Well, <laughs> that was interesting. I wasn't the only one. Um, oh, I should turn on my microphone. Uh, somebody was wanting Yeah. Now I don't know if that helps or anything. Um, but at any rate. Um, I was told that this election was, uh, that we, uh, Latin American studies Association had been invited to observe the election, which was great. And I was told that I should get together the people that would be on the observer group. And um, so uh, that's fine. Um, I, I had the instruction, the only instruction they gave me was to make sure that any member of the executive committee of LASA uh, who wanted to go uh, on the observer group could go. And so uh, they would be vi- invited. So I got on the phone and I called them up and uh, got a whole bunch of people. I remember one person, Jim Malloy of Pittsburgh, uh, said, well, I'm not going to be part of any whitewash of the Sandinistas. Um I said, well, I'm not intending to have you be part of any whitewash of this Sandinistas. you go down and observe and and, uh, and give your input and input into the to the whole process of observation. So he agreed to go and uh, I, uh, interestingly, he turned out to be one of the most def- uh, enthusiastic defenders of the election. He he thought it was really good election. Well, um I wasn't the only one that had made that suggestion, apparently. I think others, and logically, that was a, uh, an idea whose time had come. I think lots of people probably had thought that it would be a good idea to have observation of, uh, of the elections. Uh, and as it turned out, there were observers from the British Parliament and, and House of Lords, the Irish Parliament, the Dutch government, the Socialist International. For those of you that are not political scientists, the Socialist International is not some sort of a lefty communist organization. It's, a, uh, it's the organization of social democratic parties of Western Europe, many of which were uh, the ruling parties of Western Europe at the time. And they all went, plus a number of others. There were something like 500 uh, observers. And the cleanliness of the election sh- stood in sharp contrast to that of El Salvador, uh, earlier that year. There were better background conditions, there was no uh, systematic death squad activity, there weren't any death squads in Nicaragua. Uh, people were not being harassed, uh, the media were operating, uh, uh, indeed the government actually gave um, money to all of the political parties that they, so that they could have free time on on uh, uh, government television. Uh, they gave them money so that they could do advertising, so that they could, you know, go out in the country and, 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 and compete. Um, Jim Malloy uh, was one of those who went to the Supreme Electoral Council and demanded to see the complaints, and there were several p- complaints. One of them, I remember, was uh, that a member of the Liberal Party had uh, been uh, shot uh, returning from a one of his campaign activities out in the countryside. And that was a complete outrage. Unless you actually looked at the details of the thing. This liberal party, uh, party person had been out in the countryside. He had gotten on a, uh, well in Nicaragua and I suppose many other places <coughs> you have these these pickup trucks that have bars that you can grab onto and they, and they sell you a seat, or not a seat, but a, a perch for a certain amount of money, and, and uh, that's how you get around. So there were, he was on, uh, on the, a pickup truck, he had gotten on, and it was absolutely full, and they were going down the road, and there was a drunk Sandinista soldier who waves them down and he wanted a ride. And the pickup truck went by because they didn't have any space, and the soldier fired a couple of uh, rounds, and one round hit this guy. Well, that's clearly not. There's no political content to what happened, and he found he looked into these things and saw that there re- wasn't really any basis to, uh, to the complaints. Um, the outcome of all this was that um, that <coughs> well, and there was of course the. Between election day, uh, the um, you went to the polling. You were not obliged to vote, although seventy or seventy-five percent of the people got out and voted. Uh, you didn't have anything that was stamped to indicate that you had voted. There was no intimidation in that way. You went to the voting place, and your ballot uh, was not marked in any way that that could later you could later be identified. <coughs> the ballot was was on uh, uh, translucent paper, but there was a frangha, a dark frangha or band across the, the opposite side of it that made it impossible to see through to see how you had marked your ballot. And so once you folded it, you couldn't see through. You went in and... Uh, Voted in a voting place that was curtained to the ceiling, and I saw this over and over and over again, so I can attest to that. I was an observer. And uh, uh, you then took your ballot and you deposited it in a wooden ballot box, and the military was not allowed, not allowed within a certain distance of uh, the voting place. So it was completely different from El Salvador. Um, Sandinista's got 63% of the total vote, uh, um, 67% of the valid vote, um, in a, an election in which there were three parties on the right and three parties on the left that were competing against them. Um, and as a result, you had a constituent assembly elected that was about 60-some percent Sandinista Daniel Ortega uh, was proclaimed president by the Constituent Assembly. Um, But what was U.S. policy in regard to these developments? Well, uh, the United States denounced it as a Soviet style farce. uh, And to make sure that there wasn't any contradiction of that, uh, uh, William Casey, um, the um, head of the CIA, Uh, got together his dirty tricks team. He had a dirty tricks team that was devoted just to Nicaragua and they came up with the idea of having the US Pentagon, State Department and um, CIA simultaneously leak uh, a uh, completely false document uh, uh, showing that MiG jet uh, fighters were on their way uh, from uh, the Soviet bloc to Nicaragua aboard uh, freighters, uh, socialist bloc freighters. Uh, the, Mi- the freighters arrived and offloaded their their cargo of, uh, of uh, farm tractors and so on. But that took two weeks, and so for two weeks, as reports on the actual character of the election were coming out from these various observer groups. (coughs) The only news that was covered in the United States was the sort of uh, Cuban Missile Crisis number two that was taking place in Nicaragua. And the, um, the, the conservatives were saying we should immediately invade Nicaragua and liberals were saying, no, we should bomb the MiG jets when they arrive, bomb them surgically. That was the in absolute insanity of the debate that was going on. There never had been any MiG jets. It was a complete farce, uh, but it, it managed to keep any reporting of, of the nature of the elections out of, out of the U.S. news. There was never, maybe, I challenge you, maybe somebody can find a, a place where there was only the Christian Science Monitor, as far as I know, for one day, reported that the observers would find that this was a better election than the election in El Salvador. Um, But after that, I think they were completely completely silent. Um, So, um, although most of the world saw Nicaragua correctly as having moved from revolutionary transition to full democracy, the U.S. media and government continued to treat it as a government its government as a dictatorship, a danger to the hemisphere, and our government continued promoting the Contra War, which crippled Nicaragua economically and would ultimately take the lives of just under 31,000 Nicaraguans, or nearly 1% of the Nicaraguan (coughs) population at that time. So the lesson from that was that even with good electoral observation, peace sometimes is elusive, if a major actor is sufficiently determined to keep stoking the conflict. The peacemakers, however, were also determined, and thus uh, the electoral observation grew in sophistication and frequency. Jimmy Carter did an observation in Panama in uh, 89 and uh, we all remember that was the one that uh, Manuel ne- uh, Noriega won. It was a completely dirty election. And, De Carter, and Carter denounced it as a dirty election. Then uh, Carter did observations in Nicaragua. Um, but he, he did them in, in um, alliance with the Organization of American States. And there was also an observation uh, by the United Nations in 1990 now in 1990 they they introduced a really interesting technique which has been used ever since and it's really accurate if you have a an electoral system that is uniform and not a patchwork chaos like like our electoral system but a uh, a uniform national electoral system in that you can you can have Social survey consultants and give them the task. You can say, We would like you to give us the name of, or the, uh, uh, to name, let's say, 50 um, precincts throughout the country that if we get the exact results from those precincts, we will know more or less exactly what the election is, uh, what the results are uh, long before the the, the the formal count takes place. That's called a quick count. It's a wonderful device, uh, and it's never been off by as much as 1%. It's been used dozens of times, and it hasn't been off by as much as 1%. Uh, so... Uh, In that election, uh, the 1990 election, the U.N. uh, had its quick count. The OAS Carter team had their quick count. Um, After nearly a decade of U.S.-promoted economic destabilization and war, the people voted to kick the Sandinistas out. Um, Though opinion polls had predicted a big Sandinista victory, the opposition candidate, Violeta Chamorro, handpicked by the United States, and also a friend of mine, I know her, uh, one of my students was her daughter, or is her daughter, uh, she won the election decisively. In this case, the work of observers helped in making for a smooth, peaceful transition. Almost immediately, this was in two, within two hours of the closing of the polls, and uh, the United Nations team had a a count, uh, a quick count, and Carter OAS had a quick count, and uh, one of them was off by half of one percent, and one of them was just a little under one percent off the final result. This is within two hours of the closing of of the election. They then went to uh, Mariano Fiaios, the head of the Supreme Electoral Council, and explained what they had found. He was convinced, though surprised, and Mariano and uh, the head of the OAS and Jimmy Carter and the head of the UN team went to Daniel Ortega, who was busily writing his acceptance speech. And uh, they informed him that it would be more appropriate to write a slightly different type of speech. Ortega was also shocked uh, the polls had indicated he was going to win handily, and um, he needed uh, some thorough explanation. And the explanation they gave him, they explained the thing to him again for a uh, half hour or an hour, and then he said, "Okay." And he then proceeded and went over to Mrs. Chamorro's house and gave her a big abrazo and told her that she'd won the election. Uh, I don't think that would have happened. I don't think that sort of graceful transition would have happened without good electoral observation. Now, the U.S., of course, praised this election, identical or almost identical in all its aspects to the election of 1984 but the results had been the right results. We were prepared, the U.S., I shouldn't say we, uh, the U.S. was prepared to call it, a, a, again, a Soviet-style farce, had, uh, had the uh, wrong candidate won, had Daniel Ortega won, uh, but that wasn't necessary. Uh, and so the, that election was, uh, was praised and, and everything was just fine. Since 1990, the Carter Center and the Organization of American States, often working in tandem, have observed dozens of elections, and their quick count, as I said, has never been off by as much as 1% of the final uh, uh, count. Having observed Latin American Studies uh, uh, with the Latin American Studies Association and Hemisphere initiatives, Uh, in Nicaragua in 1984, 90, and 96, I was then invited uh, to be part of the, of two Carter Center Observer uh, efforts. Venezuela, the recall, when there was an effort to recall um, uh, Hugo Chavez in, in 2004, and then Nicaragua in 2006. In both cases, international observation and verification of these elections which went the wrong way from uh, the point of view of the Bush administration, almost certainly prevented both domestic and—and and I'll emphasize this—international promoted, internationally promoted violence. The Carter Center observations are very thorough. It's—it's it's fun to be part of of, uh, of a Carter observation. Uh, first, long-termers. Uh, people that are permanently employed by the Carter Center um, go to the country and sometimes months sometimes years before the election takes place they set up shop and they begin studying background conditions they negotiate uh, procedural agreements between the opposition forces and if if they're having trouble they bring in Jimmy Carter, and he's awfully good at at uh, jawboning uh, people. And he he goes in and 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 gets the two sides to come together on uh, an agreement of what should should happen. And they also identify possible errors in air er, areas in which fraud might occur, uh, and that's very important. Um, the opposition will always tell you uh, what that's son of a bitch is likely to do in the election and, uh, and how he's going to steal the election so you get that information what is the son of a bitch Chavez or Ortega or whichever son of a bitch it is uh, is what he's going to do and then you, you make plans for uh, making sure you're checking on that possibility everywhere you are uh, when you observe, uh, you observe the election. So they, um, they identify possible areas of, of fraud. Next, just before the elections, the short-termers, people like me, specialists on observation and, and on the region, Latin Americanists, people like you, uh, arrive and are briefed uh, by Jimmy Carter and the long-term team. Now, Jimmy's a cool guy. Uh, he actually, uh, especially in Venezuela, he spent hours talking to us and, and telling us, uh, you know, what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing. And we shouldn't talk to the press uh, uh, because uh, uh, if one, one person talks to the, you know, if one team sees something in one part of the country and then says it's a good election, and in fact it wasn't throughout the rest of the country or vice versa, one side or the other is going to say the Carter Center saw it either as marvelous if it's in their interest or terrible if it's in their interest. So we were not allowed to talk to the press. Lucia Newman from CNN came up to me on two occasions, and I, and I said, I'm sorry, uh, I can't talk to you. I, I really like Lucia Newman. I think she did a good job, but and I would have loved to have been interviewed by her, but <laughs> Um, so, um, then, um, long-termers and short-termers with credentials. Yeah, let me let me let me do my act here. Um, well, it's 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 too old and to receive that sort of attention, it, <laughs> it can lie on the floor. <laughs> I never wear it. Uh, uh, you'll you'll attest to that Anna maria knows I, I I wear like this is I'm much more comfortable without them and uh, this is our uniform so you know so we have observer Carter Center, and these very official credential that the government has issued us plus our little cap um, so we're um we then spread out into the country in two-person teams and we go to each region and with the instruction that we spend a day or two um, interviewing all the principal actors in that little region we went to Cojedes in um, Venezuela and went to Madrid's um, uh, in um, Nicaragua, um, so we we go out. We uh, we spend a couple of days talking to the heads of all the parties, uh, the or the representatives of all the parties, um, the security forces, the military, and the police, to the people running the electoral uh, commissions, the municipal electoral commissions. Uh, To anyone else that looks like they'd be interested, you know, are they're interested in the in the election? And we try to find out, you know, what possible problems might be arising. And then on election day, Carter is a he makes people work their tail off. Uh, It's a nice place to get a uh, uh, an internship, but if you get an internship there, uh, count on being worked. Really hard, he says. Well, now you should get up before dawn and be at one of the polling places before it opens. Um, you watch it open. You watch all the formality where they they take the the boxes, the ballot boxes, and they hold them up and shake them, and you can see everyone there can see that they're empty and the close. And all the other things they do to make sure that everything is just right when they set up. And then they, there's a ceremony where all the different parties sign the uh, act, Acta de Constitucion, the um, act of constituting the, the electoral table. Uh, and then you go, you watch that. Uh, the first people come in and vote, and then you go to one polling place after another. Uh, you ask to be admitted. You can't force your way in. If they don't admit you, that's an error on their part, and you simply observe it. Uh, But uh, everywhere I've been, they they let us in. Uh, And then you talk to the people at the mesa. You talk to the observers that are behind the mesa. They're called fiscales from the different parties. Uh, Opposition party fiscales are wonderful because if there's anything untoward going on, they're the first to tell you and you record that, and then you do just sort of basic observation of, of how the election is going. You go to a lot of them, and then at the end of the day, you end up in a single polling place, and you uh, watch the closing of the election and then the counting of the vote. And then if you are part of the quick count, you, you record the count and send it off to the capital city, and then, but it doesn't end there. You then go to um, to uh, the uh, municipal electoral commission, following the uh, with the people that uh, the the people on the uh, on the mesa, uh, where they take all the all the apparatus, the old ballot boxes, the the bags full of um, of. Uh, voting material, the ballots, uh, et cetera, and they put them in safekeeping there. It's very important that they be guarded and not uh, nothing happens to them until long after the counting of the election. And then you watch them uh, uh, turn in the official results and watch those results be faxed to um, Managua or, or Caracas or, or wherever it happens. Throughout the whole thing, you're supposed to show the shirt. This is showing the shirt. You know, you're supposed to be wearing this. You wear blue jeans. I don't see anybody wearing slacks. But this is the uniform, and it's amazing how important that is because everyone knows that international observers are there to make sure that it's a clean election, or if it's not, it'll be reported as a dirty election. And so it, it, it... assures voters that there's a good chance everything will be all right, but if not, at least it's going to be reported. I could tell you some shirt stories, too. That's funny when people recognize the shirt, but I don't have time. Uh, <clears throat> after the elections, uh, uh, after the voting day, you return to the Capitol and you're debriefed. You you turn in your material. You, in most cases, you've already faxed in uh, the final result. Next, the results are tabulated, and a statement is made by Jimmy Carter. He speaks for the group, uh, in behalf of the group, and uh, that takes place usually within a day or so of the election, before the, f- the final count is in. The final count may take a week or so, but um, he makes a statement. Then short-termers return home and long-termers stay in the country and do a thorough investigation of any remaining charges of fraud that may be generated. Venezuela was priceless. There were a million uh, charges of fraud, and each one of those had to be examined thoroughly to make sure there was uh, either there was validity in them or there was no validity in them and uh, they found that there wasn't any validity to the opposition charges of fraud. Having had the privilege of observing the phenomenon uh, since its inception, it's certainly my feeling that formal international electoral observation has been a crucial uh, force in peacemaking and democratic consolidation. International observers' give, uh, in observation gives the citizen faith The citizens' faith that they can vote freely and that their votes will be counted. If not, at least the election will be denounced internationally by credible uh, voices. If an election is fraudulent, good credential observation makes it impossible for the regime to retain international credibility. And that happened in the case of Manuel Noriega and those very fraudulent elections observed by Jimmy Carter. If the election is clean, such observation makes it difficult for the opposition, domestic and international, and I underline international, to justify new or renewed violence against the government. Uh, The cases of Venezuela and Nicaragua prove this effect um, dramatically. Loathing the Chavez government and expecting its defeat in 2004 The Bush administration actually underwrote much of the cost of the Carter Center's observation effort. They would, by the way, never do that again. Uh, They they didn't like (laughs) the fact that Carter
0: (laughs) was honest about what happened.
1: But when Carter then certified that Chavez had won fair square and overwhelmingly, the Bush administration was in, in no position to try to incite up the opposition or to foment a repeat of the nearly successful U.S.-sponsored coup d'etat of April 2002. Uh, In Nicaragua, the Bush administration, of course, had refused to pay uh, Carter Center expenses, but it accepted an outcome it must have abhorred. It accepted it with formal good graces, and Condoleezza Rice issued a a very nice statement, which Jimmy Carter read at his press conference. And he waited for the uh, the Bush administration to do that, and then he had his press conference. Not only had the Carter Center certified Ortega's victory, but a huge domestic monitoring group, and this is important, Ethica y Transparencia, or Ethics and Transparency in English, ironically underwritten by the U.S. in the 1990s had done a quick count, a fabulous quick count in which they had people at every precinct and they got the results in every precinct and sent it off to a computer virtually every I think there were one or two missing but virtually every precinct and they sent it off to uh, Managua and they had a prediction of how the election was coming out probably three hours after the polls closed. Uh, and um, and they, uh, their account showed that one of Washington's favorite bugaboos, Daniel Ortega, uh, would return to power fair and square. International observation now combined with domestic uh, a domestic counterpart was, by 2006, playing a very important role in the promotion of peace and stability in some countries. Now what about the future? Essentially, especially in situations of conflict or transition, uh, credential observation, uh, international observation will likely remain important for some time into the future. And as peace settles in and democracies consolidate, domestic observation like that of Etica y Transparencia uh, may replace the need for international observation. That would be the ideal thing. And countries don't need to have foreigners if they can, if the country has a really good organization like Etica y Transparencia. Uh, by the way, we didn't do a quick count the last in, in Nicaragua because they were doing their own, and it was really good, and we trusted it. Uh, <coughs> Unfortunately, however, advances can be reversed. Uh, when Ben Franklin emerged from our constitutional convention over two centuries ago, a woman apparently asked him what kind of a government had been created. He responded, a republic if you can keep it. And that's very important because democracy is not something that's guaranteed forever and ever to any, anybody. And uh, we, we saw some significant erosions in democracy in the last eight years. Uh, I think those will be corrected, but that's something we have to worry about. The urge is always there on the part of some people. Um, (coughs) So Franklin was right. Um, And Nicaragua recently became a sad example. Uh, For years, Daniel Ortega has been making you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back um, deals, or pacts, as they call them, uh, with um, uh, the old Somosista liberal caudillo Arnaldo Aleman, which have resulted in them succeeding in packing uh, various institutions of government, including the Supreme Electoral Council. Uh, the result was that in advance of the November 2008 municipal elections, the Supreme Electoral Council disqualified small but important parties, parties that would have won. Uh, in a number of municipalities. They were disqualified and prohibited both international and national observation. And I, I have no limits to the anger that I have toward Ortega for doing that because it was, it was the Sandinista revolution that brought democracy to Nicaragua and this SOB is, uh, a, I, I think of him as a former Sandinista, is, is tearing it apart. The election itself was marked by pro-Ortega violence, which Ortega never denounced. You know, violence can take place, but if the leader gets up and says, hey, that wasn't right, I don't want that to happen anymore, then okay, uh, that can be maybe forgiven. But Ortega never denounced the violence. Um the election, uh, and uh, though pro Ortega candidates supposedly did very well, virtually no one except Ortega enthusiasts see these elections as anything but an outrage. Whereas the future of democracy in Nicaragua seemed very bright in 2006, it now seems uh, in peril. And I, as a Nicaraguanist, feel very sad about that. I've got some slides, and I'll go through them very quickly. Um, These are from my um, observations down there. The first credentialed observation, Nicaragua, there there were uh, government-sponsored party debates, the different parties getting up and talking about the issues. There was uh, full liberty of uh, campaigning. This is a Christian Democratic... What is this thing that has come up here? Can I... What? Click,
0: there. Click
1: uh, right there. Okay. I have to not touch that. Uh, this is a woman coming in uh, with um, uh, I guess her uh, identification or just driver's license or whatever to show who she is and her name gets checked off against um, the uh, voter list. Uh, and uh, this is voting instructions, um, and that's what the ballots looked like. Unfortunately, they don't show the frangha across the back, but the frangha is just real dark thing. You can't see through it. This is a woman receiving instructions on the voting procedures, and there are uh, opposition people at the table as well as Sandinista. And she comes out from the fully uh, curtained uh, uh, voting place. And uh, this is a, an electoral policeman who voted. He's outside far enough away from it that he can have his weapon on and be there. Uh, and he's showing his red thumb, which is a way of preventing motive, multiple vo- uh, voting. He's, that's indelible ink. The recall referendum in Venezuela... This is the group. Jimmy in the center. My uh, credentials. Jimmy giving us instructions. Uh, He's such so enthusiastic. He really, this guy is a cool guy. And uh, an opposition uh, march. Pro Chavez posters saying uh, that he's not going. And showing the shirt, we were at a conference. And then we arrive at a voting place, and a phenomenon happened to me, and it happened to most other people. You are, you come up in your Jeep or your Land Rover with the magnetically attached uh, Central Carter sign on the front of your Land Rover, and you you arrive, and you see sort of a ripple of recognition and then everyone's applauding Uh, I never felt so important in all my life I'm a humble professor from Ohio University and I felt all of a sudden I was important Uh, it was kind of fun Uh, but they were waiting to vote Uh, this is um, instructions here checking your name off against the voting list and here, I get, this was when they were setting the machines up. They had a, a little machine uh, which had um, a, uh, it gave you a, um, a paper trail uh, indicating that you, uh, what, how you had voted, and you deposited that in a ballot box. But that's the machine. Uh, those are the places you vote. You get behind there and vote on one of those machines. The woman there activates the machine for each voter that's gone over there. And, uh, oh, this was a funny thing. They had decided that they were going to make... They had so many different ways of presenting preventing multiple voting. And they were really a bit anal about this. And they... they uh, so they decided they were going to have a... Um, a thumbprint identification. So you put your thumb on the machine, and it would it digitalize that and send it to Caracas, and and you know that uh, Ana Maria Del Sarto had voted, and she wouldn't be allowed to vote the next time she went to vote. So she couldn't get by with voting twice. The thing is that it went through the first. There were. I think 11,000 people, 11 million people. I don't know how many people. But it went through It went through quite a few, and then, of course, it broke down. It didn't work. But it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary because Ana Maria couldn't vote because of a number of things. She, her thumb had been inked. huh? Yeah, and all of those things. And there's the, the voter depositing her vote. Uh, Jimmy Carter and two heads of state. uh, No, Jimmy Carter and the head of the OAS making their uh, announcement. And then we have a little reception afterwards. And, okay, now the Nicaraguan election. Um, This is... um, Oh, we each had a chance to get our our picture taken next to Jimmy Carter. And so we got. Um, um, that was with my team member. I, my son had gotten on the, uh, on the electoral observer group. Um, my son had been observing with the Carter Center long before I ever observed. And uh, so uh, when I volunteered in 2004, they accepted me. And then they called up, do you have a son named, uh, do you know anybody named uh, uh, Carlos? And I said, yeah, he's my son. So, By then it was too late, so they had two walkers. So anyway, I, I, my son and I also got in a picture. There he is. Um, and, uh, so. Now, um, there was a slightly damaged billboard. Uh, if they would catch this, if they had caught the person that did that, uh, that would have been a felony. The person would have faced uh, a jail term. In uh, Nicaragua, in those elections... Any defacing of, of uh, electoral material uh, is a felony, uh, which is a nice idea. Uh, FSLN stuff, FSLN headquarters, uh, FSLN Boscanas, they they use uh, um, wonderful antiquated uh, uh, Spanish, the the vos form. That Ana Maria del Sarto uses it all the time because she's from Argentina and, and uh, so does Abril he's, he's from Uruguay you use those all the time um, it's, a, it's a nice sounding thing uh, this is uh, uh, one of the other party headquarters and a billboard and the night before the military comes out with all the electoral material then on election day, the voters line up, and Nicaraguans, I, I, they are so enthusiastic about voting. They voted higher rates than any other Central American country, and now, into, including Costa Rica, um, and they because it's been effective for them. They've been able to make decisions uh, through the vote. Uh, of course, the the ubiquitous food vendor. Anytime there's a crowd gathered, you're going to get stuff being sold. And a poll worker and fiscales. Uh, these people in back are called the fiscales. They, they are the um, observers from the different parties. Uh, and so they're looking over the shoulders of the, of the actual people uh, at the table... Which is, they're also a mix of uh, political parties. Okay, this is my favorite lady. Pregnant lady, uh, she had preference because she was pregnant. And she's getting her instructions, uh, not who to vote for, but how to vote. Um, She's then um, signing her name next to a a photocopy of her signature. Another way of preventing multiple voting. voting. Um, she's then depositing her ballots each ballot had a different franga on the back of it because it was some were for local elections and some were for state and some were for national and so on Um, so she's putting it in the different ballot boxes and then her thumbprint or her thumb is being inked Um, the vote counting um this isn't the, ba- the place where I was. I was so impressed. The, the, the person running the, um, the um, polling place that I observed in the closing of the, of, the, uh, of the thing was an old Samosa Liberal Party person, a woman. And, and I thought, well, we'll see what happens. Um, she made a little speech at the very beginning of the vote count. She says, you know, this is a sacred moment. We are exercising democracy. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, I didn't memorize it, but we're exercising our democratic rights. So each of us here on the table uh, is going to have to put their uh, party affiliations aside and be as fair and honest as possible. And I will show you the ballots I will say how the ballot was voted and you verify and if you all agree then the ballot goes in that particular pile and and that's the way she did it and occasionally she'd be sloppy and she'd hold one up and say it was FSLN on no it's uh, uh, it's MRS oh yeah you're right and and, and so uh, uh, I don't think she was cheating or anything I just uh, you do a number of these things and your mind goes blah. And uh, so they were watching and they corrected her. But it's very nice. Now this is really important in light of what I'll show you in a few minutes. All the electoral material in a clean election must be gathered up and must be taken under military protection to the municipal electoral office and put under lock and key for a period of several weeks or a month. Ballots, uh, all the credentials, all of that stuff. And they and they and they did that. We, we went and observed that. And here the Sandinistas are celebrating, and again, and Ortega in our hotel after just meeting with Jimmy Carter, making his uh, acceptance, and then the Carter announcement of the results of the election. Uh, again, in this case, he had, oh, who was it? Uh, Barletta from Panama and the guy from Peru. who's that? Toledo. Toledo, si That's Fiend. Okay. So let me answer some questions. I do have a question. Yeah. Uh, Have
0: you ever had a chance to observe a digital
1: election? What kind of? The second round?
0: Right. In Venezuela, was it, didn't stop well, it was a the computer. Computer, yeah. you, you just
1: pressed C or no.
0: How the observation condition change from one election to the other? Are those the same, or do you have to? They're basically that? the but same.
1: They're basically the same because when the when the vote is finally, the machine counts the vote. So when it closes, you know the vote, right? If the machine is doing its job. But there's also the ballot box where all of those, they, they look like groceries receipts. All of the paper trail ballots are deposited. And um, if anyone questions the honesty of the election, there is a, they can go back and, and check them. In Venezuela, they went back and checked, did a random sampling or sampling of the ballot boxes and and uh, the results came out uh, essentially the same. They also had in Venezuela where they didn't have um, an electronic footprint, they did paper ballots and that area, um, those were almost by definition poorer areas that you would expect to vote more heavily for Chavez and sure enough they had voted more heavily for Chavez. uh, and those came in fairly quickly, too. And we had, of course, observers all over the country uh, observing it. So it's not a lot different. Uh, I would say that my comment on voting machines is the only decent voting machines are ones that kick off a paper trail because in the state of Ohio, uh, we've had some really strange results from voting machines uh, um, I think it was 2004, where um, voting machines from poor, traditionally, m- poor black, uh, traditionally Democratic districts kicked off um, heavy majorities for Bush, heavier than Upper Arlington, for God's sakes. And that makes no sense. And that happened in various places across the state, but without a paper trail. Um, you know, Abriel can go in there and say, "Oh, that's a fraud." Well, Abril, how are you going to prove it? And no, Abril can't prove it. I think
0: it happens some some kind of problems in Argentina and Mexico, Mexico with with the digital life. This and they didn't the
1: paper trail. It's important. Those paper trail. That's absolutely essential.
0: Yeah. What happens if that's not the case? How would
1: you? Well, then and it's the unreliable. I, I would not uh, anywhere accept the results of non paper trail machines.
0: So the observation team could ask for that. They, that yeah. Specifically- it
1: should have, there should be a paper trail. Yeah.
0: I will admit that they had a problem that they hadn't admitted to earlier with
1: their
0: machines here in Ohio. Yeah. yeah. What can, uh, given the shenanigans that have gone on in Ohio recent recent elections, and also. Florida, uh, Bush and so forth. Is there anything that our election uh, process can learn from
1: the um, international uh, observation processes? Yeah. Uh, it's. I'm not sure that we'll be able to implement it. On both occasions, people had the audacity to ask, Jimmy, would you observe in the States? And he said, no, the conditions for a free or fair election don't exist in the United States. <laughs> uh, seriously. And the reason is 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 that we don't have a uniform system. There's no way of checking. There's a patchwork of, of, you know, some places are paper, some are this, some are the other thing, different kinds of machines. Some machines have paper trails, some don't have paper trails. How in the world would you systematically observe that? So the first thing that needs to be done in the United States, and I, I doubt if it will be done, is some sort of a national system of uh, of voting. A very simple system with um, either paper uh, balloting, which is it's there's always about three or four percent of spoiled ballots, so it's less, the ballots get spoiled more if you you have uh, uh, paper. Um, But if you have an electronic voting there's less spoilage of the ballots, um, but there's you have to have a paper trail. So I would think that probably the best thing is to have a good machine system with a with uh, paper trail machines, and and then systematic scientific spot checking to make sure that that there was no shenanigans. And um, I'm going to be dead and uh, my children will be dead and my grandchildren will be dead before that happens in the United States, I think. So, it, it would be nice. It's what we need. Um, it's, it just would be very cumbersome because we have this um, very archaic system of voting that, that came about in the early days of our, our country and people are wedded to it. They say we have the oldest democracy in the world. It's the best. No, old doesn't necessarily mean best. And certainly in terms of electoral procedures, it it doesn't mean best. It's 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 a bad system. It's a system that is crying out for some sort of reform. Uh, I think not that not that it works most of the time. And the level of shenanigans like the 2004 diebold machines and so on is not that high. It may have had an impact in 2004, but it you know you got. To, I think we're moving now toward fewer of those non-paper trail machines. But um, so it normally works sort of, but we ought to have a system that works really well. I mean our system isn't nearly as good as the Brazilian system or the Nicaraguan. System was before Ortega uh, and company screwed it up, or uh, the Venezuelan system.
0: Yeah. I have a couple of questions, changing a little bit the subject, going back to the Ortega, Daniel Ortega's transformation. Mm. Um, because I, I know that I mean you've been hurt even personally mm. that in that regard, because you you have been I mean. Your, your entire life has been a, been a, a strong commitment mm-hmm. to, to the Nicaraguan process. Mm-hmm. Now, the first question would be how how do we interpret that? What, how do we uh, interpret what, what really happened to this guy? It's just you know I it to you. And, and the second is what this uh, this kind of transformation means for. the the development of the future of any left project Mm. in Nicaragua and Latin America? Because, I mean, it's not really a good example. I I don't know. Um,
1: Why did Ortega move in that direction? Um, That's a really good question, but uh, I think some people have power, uh, have uh, a real problem with giving up power there. Um, there are very few Nelson Mandelas in this world, and they're more uh, Robert Mugabes, unfortunately. Uh, people that um, will cling to power no matter what. Now Ortega would tell you, if if he were perfectly frank, he would tell you, well, this was I'm doing this in behalf of the Nicaraguan people because uh, we want to continue the programs I'm doing, and and he has some. But social- the in some things, yeah. So, so he probably thinks he has a reason for doing it, but uh, he has completely ruined the Sandinista movement. Most Sandinistas, long ago, uh, most of the top Sandinistas, the top two or three hundred of all, but about ten have left the um, the party. Um, so, it, I would it would be better called the Danielista party. Uh, uh, I don't know why he does that. Your second question I forget.
0: Uh, what impact what consequences can you foresee in any left the project?
1: I don't know. That's uh, yeah, I don't know.
0: Um Sanjay is, is the election man in the Yeah.
1: F FML F- F- it's supposed to win. The U.S. has been doing everything possible to scare tactics and so on to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, we intervene f- heavily in elections all over this Latin America. Is it being
0: monitored? Are the elections being monitored?
1: Um, I think they. I think they're being monitored. I. I applied to do El Salvador, but I don't think the Carter Center is doing it. I don't know. So is anybody some? Ah, okay. Yeah, that that won't be very credible. William Robinson's a wonderful professor, nice lefty, and so on, and may do a very good job, but it doesn't have any international credibility. Um, so who knows what will happen in El Salvador? Um, I'm just I'm kind of I'm not. You know, Nicaragua has gone through a lot of things, and and I I have faith that Nicaraguans will figure this out and and uh, straighten it out. But right now it's kind of ugly, um, and I'm you know I'm very disappointed. Uh, it would make things a lot easier for me. I'm I'm doing the fifth edition of Nicaragua Living in the Shadow of the Eagle, and I'd rather concentrate on what the eagle does than. Then I have to explain this whole mess but i 'm going to ha- i 'm going to explain the whole mess and and condemn it yeah so and it it'll make things a little confusing to the students but to the people that read the book uh, uh, An observer. An observer. Um, you contact the um, the group that's going down there, and you present your credentials, and you say, "I'd like to observe." Um, I was telling Dog who asked me that same question. Dog, uh, who was about to complete his doctoral degree in political science here at OSU, um, and um, uh, and I said, "Well, contact the Carter Center, and you have a particular advantage because the Carter Center always wants more than half of its observers to be international." And Doug, my gosh, they could hold up their hip. You know, here's Doug. He's a he's a Norwegian. That's kind of a strange bird in Latin America. That really that that brings about great diversity. Plus, he's a political scientist uh, with uh, doing interesting work in Latin America. Speak Spanish, and uh, and they make very well like his credentials. Um, they, you you do have to present some credentials. Um, there's good bit of competition to be on a Carter uh, Center team, um, but there are a number of other teams that go down. There are United Nations teams and OAS teams and and. Uh, um, and so on. Um, European um, what is it? European Parliament teams. Um, And uh, so I would just say don't don't expect to be turned down. Uh, um, Send your credentials in and see if they want you. And uh, and they may. Especially a, a Norwegian.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So can I ask you else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, would you say that uh, Chamorro is not so bad
1: to the big hero democracy? Chamorro was as, good. As
0: Daniel Ortega is doing right now?
1: Yeah, no, she, she was fine. She, in that respect, she was fine, and Ortega's a slime. That's sad.
0: It is. Yeah. It is. I, I, I didn't know about